So YouTube. Hello and everybody. Hello everybody. Welcome to week ten, week nine, week ten. I think it's week ten of the Tiger Minor League Report recap podcast. I'm really excited. My name is Chris Brown, and young David is. Uh, we were just driving over Expos jerseys and all that stuff. So he played in a men's league, and I have this uh, this nineteen or remake of a Pedro Martinez jersey, and and David has the that. See, that's sweet. That is that is badass. So um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Media, and Stitchler. A lot to get to this week as Erie went down to Richmond, played a big division series against the Flying Squirrels, and that did not end well. Uh, Toledo had a really good week, and their offense was clicking. West Michigan split with the Nuts, Lugnut, the Lance Lugnuts. Lakeland had a really good week as well. We'll get to some. Florida Coast League Tiger action and does not look well either. But I mean, I sat through a whole game today and watched Tigers have two hits. And it was after yesterday. Yesterday was a really hard fought game. Victor Reyes had three hits. But again, it was a couple of mental errors too. But you saw Javier Baez walk three times for the first time in his career. So you're thinking today with Terex Google on the hill. But Toronto's lineup, Toronto's one. I, I'll have to say this out of all the teams I've watched this year at Comerica Park. By far, Toronto's the best hitting team I've, I've seen so far this season. They are, they don't, if you make a mistake, they're going to punish it big time. And defensively, I thought they were defensively sound. Even, I know Vlad Guerrero gets a lot of crap for being a little heavy, but he looks really good out there. So, but uh, yeah, gentlemen, how was your weekend? Pretty good. Um, worked a lot, but um, yeah, we got to what. Got to watch some Tiger baseball and watch the Blue Jays fans invade Comerica Park. So that was unfortunate yes. to see. But um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. The only thing I'll say about the Blue Jays is I think they get overlooked because they're in the AL East. But like, um, it, they have an extremely deep lineup, and it's like even their even their bench is pretty deep compared to the rest of the division. And it's just, I, I think the Tigers just got hit with the freight train this weekend, and that's all, that's all we can say about it. We did bring we did get. A chance to drag out one though, so I was happy about that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it was just it's frustrating to see them really go in there and fight and fight and fight and, and take down Kevin Gosman, and then go out against Ross for Stripling today and get one hit, and then they get what they got a second hit late against the bullpen. But it, it, I don't know, I don't know how much longer we can just sit here with an offense that that every other game seems to get about three hits and no runs. It's, it's really frustrating. I mean, one- today. Go ahead, David. No, the one thing I was going to say, um, this kind of calls back to my slogan throughout the our stretch of the show is I was saying the whole time, like he is working at bats. He was working at bats extremely well, and yeah, I was I was proud of him for that. He had a tough day today, but yeah, it's um, I, as I was watching him take taking at bats in that game, I was just like, like this is what this is the Mets Javier Baez that we wanted, but um, yeah, it, it was it was nice to see something. Yeah, and but admittedly, it's. It, I will say this in, in terms of, I mean, the Miguel Cabrera ceremony today, first 2000 hit, seeing Victor Martinez there, seeing the Alex Avila getting um, thrown out the first pitch and, and what have you. That was that was cool. And I mean, Al Avila got booed, and I, I hate to say this, but rightfully so to a certain extent. I mean, I'm not going it, to. It's, and here's the thing the reason why he got, he hasn't been out in the public too much. And, the same thing. Chris Elledge came out and he booed, which is a little un. Well, I'm not. Whatever. That's neither here nor there. But Tiger fans did not hold back, and I thought, thought that that thought was a very good indication in that people want good baseball in this town, and uh, they got good baseball down in Toledo, which we'll, we'll start here with that, and as a one of my better segues this week. And so, um, but yeah, the the, the Mud has this week five and one against the Iowa Cubs. And there were some standout performances we'll get to here in a second. But this has been a rehab. This has been Rehab City for the last two weeks now with players coming in and out. Uh, one note, item of note to remember, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's supposed to be called up, did not hasn't played due to personal reasons. And Jose Cisnero, according to manager AJ Hinch, yesterday has a swollen ankle that something happened in Lakeland. He wasn't exactly sure, but his ankle. So he's going to be, he's going to be out another five to seven days until his ankle gets uh, healed again. So, or just healed. So just a heads up on that. 
And that's a shame. Or sorry, to cut you off, Chris. I was, or Raj, I was only saying it's like he looked pretty good in his one inning of rehab outing. It's it happens. Anyways, go on. Yeah, the the foot. Yeah, the, 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 it depends. On, I can't remember if it's the foot that he goes off the rubber or, the, or his planting foot. But either way, it's still part of what you're doing. So, at any rate, five and one. And Chris, the in terms of standouts this week. Offensively, Trace Thompson today had a, quite a day at a home run and it got a little chippy as Brendan Davis got thrown out in the second inning on a – I thought it was a strike personally, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's tough to tell from the camera angle in Toledo. This is kind of offset you know, to the right of the pitcher, but it looked it looked kind of like a changeup down and in to a right-hander, and it was definitely from our – from the camera – standpoint it looked like it was at least a borderline pitch like not nothing to completely lose it over but yeah he lost it threw everything down through his uh through his bat through his gloves behind him and, and i think that the up just sat there and let the glove uh batting glove flutter down and hit him on the shoe and use that as an excuse to throw him up like, all right well yeah but uh yeah it was bummer no but like trace thompson yeah he only went like four for 17 but all four hits were extra base hits this week so he was doing some damage and uh, zach short had a really nice week too Seven for 18, three doubles, five RBIs. Not bad. As far as pitching performances go, David, is there anybody that you wanted to highlight this week? My big one was um, Drew Carlson, the start he made. It's like, I know we've used him out of the bullpen a lot when he's up in Detroit, but um, yeah, he made a start, went two innings in Toledo. I can't remember what day it was. I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. And today, like, I think he, 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 he well, wasn't setting the world today. on fire by any means. But oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. No, you yeah, you're bringing up thing a game last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't setting the world on fire, but yeah, it's like it was. It, it was nice to see him putting the other productive innings because, like, every time he comes up in Detroit, I feel like we see him like either put together a good inning or he gets shelled. So. Yeah. Yeah. This the schedule started today was supposed to be Drew Hutchison, then he was scratched so i'm not sure what happened there when i was listening to the toledo broadcast at the game today they didn't mention they just said it was going to be a bullpen start so uh and however drew there is a t to be a tba for tuesday's game against the white Sox. so i I, that doesn't mean hutchinson is going up but there there might be some roster changes coming up on the horizon so we'll, we'll see what happens but as far as the offense goes today was 15 14 runs today yeah 14 runs beat the Cubs 14 to nine is a good, good day for us offensively. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Kreidler came back yesterday, I think, or two days ago, he's played two games and he had, you know, it's one for eight with three strikeouts, but the one hit was a home run today. So that was nice to see. And, you know, like, like Riley green has been good. He still doesn't seem quite right. He's not lifting the ball or hitting it hard enough, but he's still Riley green. So what is he? Let's see. What, what did he do this week? Uh, eight for 23, but just one extra base hit. So it's like, yeah, that's, you know, you're hitting 300, but a little, little more power we'd like to see. And I think you'll get a few more games to do that. And, and Akil Badu is still down there too. And he's another guy that's still trying to find it. Like he's just he three, for 16, three for 16, but he did walk five yeah. times, which is kind of, you know, it's part of his game. Stole two bases. Yeah. So he's still finding ways to, to help the team. Yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, it, it, it is definitely good to see the walks and, and kind of pitch recognition and see what he's going to do. There are some people on social media who are asking when he's going to come back, and I, I don't see this happening anytime soon at all. And I mean, right now with the Tigers' outfield situation currently, Daz Cameron, by the way, just a, a heads up, was out due to COVID protocol reasons, and so that was the reason why, as I said on the press conference on Friday. So, but... They, as far as the mud ends go, they are in a strange, like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but they have two massive big, just east and west for the International League. I thought there would be like a central division because they have enough teams to do it, but uh, it's not the case. And they're five and a half back of Nashville, the Brewers affiliate, who have one of the better, diff, butter, they have the, one of the, or the, excuse me, try again, the best run differential in the league at minus 68. So uh, what's next for the Mudhens? Well, they are gonna they're gonna be on the road. But then I was talking to their one of their the official scorer uh, guy we met last year by the name of uh, John, who's really um, really nice guy, and he worked the Tigers game today. 
Toledo has the Wich Wichesta. Wichesta. Wusta. Wusta. David, can you do a East Coast accent or no? Uh, no, I can't say I can't say I can. <laughs> I, like, I like Jeremy's like, no, not happening, Roger. Not happening. <laughs> All right, but uh no, nevertheless, they go to Wusta to take on the Woo Sox. I still like the Pawtucket. I still like the Paw um I missed the old uh, yeah, Pawtuck sucks uh, or socks. So we will move on to Erie, and, and Erie was a frustrating week for bullpen-wise. The bullpen could not hold the lead at all during this whole series. And as far as – and Greg let me – I was talking to Greg about this in terms of Erie struggling on the road in Richmond. Something along the lines of, like, they – Ford – or I forgot the exact record, but they were they haven't been really good. And Gerstein Moreno had a couple of walks in the other night, and – Today, as Chris uh, texted me earlier today about uh, Brandon White, who's been automatic, and uh, Erie also Nick Kuza, who's continues to baffle me. He's can spin it up there, but can't have no fastball, no fastball control. He got lit up in the, the two innings or point two or the two thirds of inning he worked today, as the Erie Seawolves losing extra innings. And in terms of offensive stance, I'll, I'll start with you, David. Who stood out to you? Um, well, in, in terms of offense, it was kind of lo looking through the butt, looking through the box scores and looking at the spreads and try, trying to find the silver lining from Erie's rough week. Um, I gave it to Quincy Newporte. He, it really looks like he carried Erie's lineup because like, yeah, that, that was, that was really the big shining moment I had. It's like three home runs, eight RBIs, one six for 23. It was, it, 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 the, it was a pretty pretty noticeable bright spot for Erie in the lineup. It's like since Kerry Carpenter is starting to cool down, he had a um, – I'm not going to say subpar week, but like for the numbers that he's been putting up as of late, it's it, it's rough to see him go – it's rough to see any hitter going through a cold streak, but it, if it's one of the best like offensive prospects you have right now aside from Colt Keith, then yeah. But yeah, Quincy, Quincy Newporte, he was, he's my big guy for today. I thought yeah, Parker Meadows had a nice week. I think he had a homer and a triple, some walks. I think he ended up uh, leading the team in average over the week. And Andre Lipsius yeah, kind of went, went ham with the walks again. I think he was four for 15 with a double homer and nine walks. But in one of the walks was a huge one. Uh, uh, on Saturday night, he worked a walk and then came home on a Dingler single, I think, uh, to go up. And then, of course, bullpen fell apart. And that's that's just been the story in Erie all year. I mean, it wasn't like the starters were absolutely lights out this week, but they, they had enough. They certainly deserved to split the series based on how the, the starters pitched and how, how they kept coming up with big hits late. Dane Myers had a big home run at the end of today's game to tie it. And uh, I mentioned that Dingler had a big RBI single that they, they fought. But uh, yeah, I mean, like if you look at Erie's team this year, they have, the, the best rotation or best ERA for starters in the Eastern League. It's like 3-2. But their uh, bullpen ERA is, is a full run worse and ranks eighth. So it's kind of been the issue all year long. And unfortunately, it really cost them this week when they needed – when this is – they're now two games behind Richmond because they went one and five, and that uh, stings. Yeah, and the Seawolves did pick up some – they sent down Jerry Tilt to West Michigan – and they signed a reliever out of the Yankees organization. And I'm trying to pull up his name right now at the moment, but he was signed. He had, I guess he's a sinker slider type, but the last month for, thank you. And his last, his numbers in May for uh, Somerset did not look good, but it's giving Seawolves some much needed bullpen help because that it, it if the starting staff, you're absolutely right, Chris, it's been a fun watch and in terms of even the stats that David pulled up this week. So good job with um, pull up how good uh, Reese Wilson was in, in the two starts. And same thing with Wilmer Flores had a really good start. Uh, five innings, two hits, or two, me, two runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. And Austin Bergner gave the Seawolves the only win of the week. Five innings, one run, three walks, and seven strikeouts. And they've been using Adam Wolf out of the bullpen. So uh, that kind of maybe that might be a little bit of help because Wolf might, you know, in terms of even seeing one or two times throughout the lineup, 
as a long reliever might be a good idea. But the the biggest takeaway for those Seawolves, in addition to that, though, um, offensively speaking, there's not the, the consistency is lacking too. I mean, there, you know, Eric De La Rosa had a good game today. Parker Meadows had a single two that scored a run. And it's good to see Parker Meadows coming in his form a little bit. I mean, he's over, I think he's over 300 in the month of June and over the last uh, two or three weeks or even a week before that, before June. And so that's a positive way to take away David. I would always like, it was my look for something positive. And I know you, you do the same, but, what have you thought in terms of what's your thoughts about Parker Meadows so far as he is adjusting to Erie? Well, I mean, in my opinion, I, I think like it, I, even though he's starting to come together in Erie, honestly, I still think it wasn't the most amazing idea to bring him up from West Michigan. But um, yeah, I think we were really saying like, just sink or swim. And if you're sinking, just try and kick your feet really hard and swim back up. And um that's exactly what Parker Meadows has been doing. It's like some of the games, some of the spreads I've been looking at from his at-bats in Erie over the last week. It's like he's starting to, his at-bats are starting to look longer. And um, with a, like he just had a, he had a two-hit game, some game of the week. I can't remember what day it was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to see a hitter coming to his own a little bit, especially coming, adjusting from single A to double A, which is, we know for any minor leaguer can be a big step. And yeah, it's nice. To, it's nice to see him seeing the ball better. It's like I feel like when he got called up here at first, we were seeing like over three with three strikeouts, or just like uh, just a lot of offers. And that's always it's always tough for a hitter. It's it doesn't matter what hitter you are. It's tough on your psyche when you have a when you have a week of um like one like two or three for twenty with eight strikeouts. Yeah, it's, stuff like that happens, and hopefully he can the curve will start to go back up for Parker Benos. It's like once the, once the singles and doubles start to come, then the home runs might come. So yeah, that's what, that's my take on it. Yeah. I mean, the, the opposite end of the spectrum, unfortunately is, is Gage Workman who had basically the Tony Snell week. He went 0 for 15 with 10 strikeouts, no walks, nothing, no runs. nothing. It's like, man, that's, that's gotta be a real tough week. I think he only played in four games, but yeah, that's tough. Honestly, I'm surprised. Like, uh, all respect to Gage Workman. I think he's working as hard as he can to try and come back with Yuri. But, like, we, we did it with Daniel Cabrera, who I'm sure we're going to get to once we do the West Michigan recap. But, yeah, it's like maybe a trip down to West Michigan for a little bit could do Gage Workman some good. It's it, it's tough to see because, like, every, I feel like every week we do the show, we um, give some condolences to Gage Workman on having a pretty rough week yeah. at it. It was slightly different with Workman and Cabrera. Cabrera was also hitting under 200, but he wasn't making any hard contact whatsoever. Like Workman swings and misses constantly, but when he makes contact, it goes really far. So it's his situation reminds me more of like Jake Rogers. I mean, he had a full year in Erie and then went back. I can see Workman staying there all year and then starting next year there as well and seeing if maybe he can pick it up. But yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like you said, he's not. He's not. He's certainly not consistent in any way that we'd like, other than striking out consistently, which is unfortunate. So, well, because like, do you? Um, I can't remember when it was, but like, you remember that game where he went like th- three or four for five with like two or three RBIs? It's like he had a monster day, at Erie, and then like he just kind of tapered off after that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, he had two four RBI games in one week, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, he had a pretty good week last week. Yes, I recall. But yeah, it was last week, but um, yeah, I mean, it's like you mentioned, Chris, like he has a he, he's good at hitting the ball hard. And the one thing I'll say is like if you're if you're a hitter with a pretty good hard, hard hit rate, it's like eventually it's like the same things going on went on with Jonathan Scope in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's like he was hitting the ball crazy hard. He was just kept hitting it in and out in one way or another. It's like same thing could happen with Workman as well. It's like you just keep hitting the ball on the screws and eventually like something's going to land and you're going to get lucky. There is, by the way, did you guys see Toledo made a trade for a pitcher? Tigers made a trade for a pitcher that hasn't pitched since 2016. Did you guys see that story? Yeah, I did mm-hmm. see that. Matter, matter of fact, now that you bring it up, I actually did see that in the transactions with the Tigers recently. Did you see that, Chris? No, I missed it. All right. Um, let me uh, let me see. It's uh, I'm trying to find. It. I can't find it on the transactions 
sheet. Um, yeah, I don't see it either. I gotta, I gotta find it here. That was it funny. Was, like, I, run. I, I was just reading about this the other day. I'm trying to find it at the same time you are. Yeah, Evan uh, Pitchell from the Free posted about it, and I'm going through the transactions to see what happened exactly, and I'm not really sure why. In terms of the, the logic of it. I freeze. I froze. No, I can, I can hear you now. Oh, okay. It was it was Michael Mario or Mar- Marriott. Michael Marriott. Yeah, Michael Marriott. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and that's I don't know what that was going on with that and the reason behind, <laughs> behind it. But, yeah, I mean, uh, 40, here's the here's the line. Um, forty four major league games, five point nine eight ERA, um, two saves in three opportunities, forty five strikeouts, career with the two years with the Royals, one year with the Phillies. So maybe they say something we don't. Any idea who this guy is, Chris? No. <laughs> and that's saying something. If you, yeah. Hey, maybe well, it sounds vaguely from the air, but maybe that's just because his last name is Marriott, and you know. Do you guys? Do you guys want to hear? Do you guys want to hear my take on this? Because sure. I, I don't know if this this could be applicable, but this is this is the first thing that comes to mind is um. This is this is kind of the dollar store story, but um, do you guys recall what happened with um, Ryan Madsen? It's like he was he got injured and that pretty much ended his career in Philadelphia. But like he started throwing some bullpens, and things were working out pretty good. So he got a contract with the Royals and started tearing it up. But like I know this guy doesn't look like he's had much of a career to speak of. But like I don't know. It could be a story of like you know he threw a couple bullpens, felt good, and then we'll see him in Detroit in a couple of weeks. But that's my yeah, so that's my like, that's my dollar store take on that. He was in indie ball a little bit, and with the Reds last year and the Phillies last year. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. He's a pitch to, he's a pitch to contact, but then it, like I said, I'm looking through everything here, and I still don't. It's weird. Let me try. Let me try to see if I can find it on even Baseball Reference. Not even, um, yeah, missing something. I don't know. Anyway, all right. Sorry, we should just keep going. And well, yeah, probably because Casey Myers is gonna be out for the year. But it could. I mean, there's a lot of things that factor in that. But I just thought that was strange that we go with that guy. All right, moving on. Anyway. What's up, David? No, I'm only gonna say it's like you know, major league analytics department nowadays are like insanely um like specific. So like maybe they could have seen something and be like, hey, th- this guy's putting up in like re- very strange statistic numbers that we might not be able to see, and they're like, maybe it's worth taking a shot. But, but yeah, that's my take. Yeah, there's just it was weird. It just doesn't come up on the Toledo transaction sheet either. So I, I don't. Maybe I'm just lying to it. Either way, all right. Let us uh, let us move on to West Michigan as they split this three and three this week. Against the Lugans, like I mentioned earlier, they were outscored 34 to 24. But Carlos Guzman, 10 innings, one run, seven strikeouts. And Chris, for how many times have you seen Carlos Guzman? Truly is Jekyll and Hyde with him. You know, it's, it felt like most of the times it would be Jekyll and Hyde in the same game. It'd be, I don't know which one is good and which one is bad. I, I've never known that for Jekyll and Hyde, but he would be good early, like one time to the lineup and then get touched up. Afterward, the below would drop a little bit. The command would fall. So maybe he's building up some some stamina and learning how to pitch more. You know, remember he was a shortstop or third baseman for most of not most of his career, but he started out that way. But we all like we've talked about it many times. We think that he probably is best in the bullpen where he could excel as a fastball changeup guy. And uh, but I guess they just want to keep trying and trying get get some more innings and, and maybe work on that breaking ball in a more consistent manner than he would out of the bullpen. But yeah, I mean, it's nice to see that him put together two, two strong outings because he's, he's had a couple blowups this year. Now, of course there's the Ty Madden who's been last two starts and the, the, the times we see him, Chris, this year, he was struggling with command, but he looks, he looked dom- He's looked dominant, just some clean innings and 
he looks like he's utilizing his fastball again. Yeah, the velo was back up. Uh, you know, he had dipped up, dipped up, dipped up diver. It had um, it had dropped down to like topping out at ninety five, but he's back up to ninety seven, possibly ninety eight lately. And uh, yeah, I mean, he only had three strikeouts in that game, and then, but he worked six innings and a lot of fly balls to center field, like you know, moderately deep fly balls. But he also got a lot of weak contact, and you know, it was just a really quick. Uh, outing for him. I don't. He didn't walk anybody. It was really impressive. So, yeah, I think he's figuring things, some things out, and, and as you know, pitchers sometimes do. So that was good to see. Unfortunately, Dylan Smith, uh, he dipped up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dylan Smith yeah, had, had kind of the worst outing of his uh, young career. But it, just one of those things where it, it happened. I think the inning snowballed on him, and then I think he hit his pitch limit. Yeah, I mean, um, it, I, I kind of have a take on Ty Madden. It's like, honestly, I feel like this is, um, I, I can't recall a pitcher that this has happened to off head, off the top of my head, but um, it's like, I honestly feel like he's starting to change. Like, after watching some of his starts for West, West Michigan this year, like, some of the starts that he, like, he got, like, blown up in relatively, it's like, you feel like he was trying to, he, he was, it looks like he was overthrowing a lot. It's like, he looks like, it looks like he was trying to, like, really get at hitters. He's throwing his fastball too much. And like you mentioned, Chris, the velocity is down a little bit. It's like when you consider yourself an attack pitcher, um, like a la Max Scherzer, it's like when you have an ineffective fastball and the point of an attack pitcher is just to blow it by everybody, then unfortunately you're going to get blown up. It's like, I honestly, I feel like um, you see this with like Dallas Keuchel. It's like, I know Ty Madden has better velocity than him, but like when he was with the Astros and he had that really good year, it's like you start to see him. It's like you don't have to have a, a you you don't have to have an amazing fastball to get guys out. It's like you can have you can be efficient, and that's what Ty Madden did. It's like when you can we can be like the Jer- Jeremy Hellickson type pitcher, and you don't you don't focus on blowing it by everybody and trying to focus on strikeouts. Then you could could see some success with it, and I feel like that's what Ty Madden's been doing recently. Yeah, and that's a that's a good way to put it. He's kind of uh, sequencing, and I think the reason why some of his starts, I think he was trying to, like a couple of his starts, he was trying to start the he started with off speed first versus fastball. Maybe he was just working on something. But uh, real quick in our YouTube chat, little buddy at little buddy, what what do you guys think about Kerry Carpenter? I think Kerry Carpenter's fine. I mean, he's what he's doing is pretty remarkable, but I still think he's a fourth outfielder at best at a major league level. Uh, I think he strikes out too much. He doesn't drop enough walks, but that's that's just my take. Uh, David, what's your take? Um, my my take on Kerry Carpenter as of now, on in my opinion, I think he kind of he. I'm not going to throw this. I'm not going to take this with a grain of salt. Take this at face value for what I say, but I think he kind of has like the Stephen Moyes syndrome right now. That's fair. Yeah, that's like I. I'm sure you you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so if you want me to elaborate, I will. But like, you know, you put up amazing numbers at Erie, at the like. Ever since this happened, I'm not going to trust an amazing season at Erie anymore as much as I did with Stephen Moya. But yeah, it's like smart man. Like like you said, Raj, he's hitting hitting us not out of the ball right now. Um, I think like still like it outrageously. Uh, lopsided ratio of walks to strikeouts um yeah it's like when he when he's hitting the ball he's hitting it hard but um that's the that's the prop i'll give to him but that's that's my take on it yep and it's uh i've I've made sort of the comparison to Kristen stewart it's the same idea with stephen moya kind of the difference stewart was uh you know would actually work a walk and, and walk a lot but both of those got both stewart and moya put up big power numbers in in erie and that's just the way it goes sometimes. There are some players who are, you know, able to destroy double A ball and even, you know, play pretty well at triple A, but they don't have, they don't quite have everything they need to, to make it to the bigs. And as Raj touched on it, like Carpenter doesn't walk enough and he's not going to provide you any real value on defense. He can handle the corner outfielders, uh, corner outfield okay. He's not like a plus defender and he's not a plus runner or even an average runner. So he's not going to give you any value on the base paths. And he's not an up the middle defender, so it's really you're, you're counting on a guy to provide all the value with his bat, and 
he hasn't proven. I mean, he's, he's obviously hitting for a high average this year, and some of that is just because he's hitting everything over the wall. But um, yeah, I, 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 it's tough when you're reliant completely on your bat. It, it's a hard road to, to make it to the majors and contribute when you don't have any supplementary skills, unfortunately. Speaking of supplementary skills, though, by the way, uh, Josh Crouch, who oh. can catch really well, but also can hit. Like that's see, that's a good segue right there. Ah, smooth. He went six for twelve for the weekend on RBI. He had a really good week, and so did Trevor, who's uh, official mascot uh, Ben Malgeri, who finished seven for thirteen with a couple RBIs and a walk. And everybody's a big fan. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> and no problem on answering the question, little buddy. And Chris's boy, <laughs> Jeremy knows yeah. he's gonna have. <laughs> he's gonna have a. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna get a Crouch jersey. <laughs> yeah, Chris. I was gonna say, um, I'm, I'm really mad at you that you're winning our um prospect race right now because as of right now, um, Josh Crouch is beating the snout out of Jake Holton in terms of production as of the last week. But yeah, well done, my friend. Well, it's again, it's it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't mean that Crouch has like a big league career ahead of him. I just uh, I, I keep mentioning it. I saw one at bat in spring training. I thought that was good, and I was like. So I've been watching him a little bit. I was at the game where he had his first home run, but I didn't get it on video, so I had to go on email, uh, the, the app to get it, which made me feel dumb. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he had a good week. It's it's He's an interesting guy. He seems like he might have kind of plus bat-to-ball skills, you know, in, in, on top of hitting pretty well. What, he, he walked once and had zero strikeouts this week? It's like, all right, well, all right, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, but again, I can... like – we just we need to see him in higher levels to know, but for right now, it's 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 nice. He's been a nice uh, find so far this year. Who knows what he'll do once he gets to Double A? Yeah, I mean, if I can if I can throw out a comp for Josh Crouch as of now, it's um, I I can't remember if I'm going to say his last name right, but do you guys remember Sam McMillan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's kind of the comp I have for Josh Crouch right now. It's like because he he reminds me a lot. It's like I see a look on your faces, but yeah, this. First thing that came to mind when I was watching him was was Sam McMillan in his one good year with West Michigan, but yeah, that's that's my take. Uh, the reason why I take McMillan the, the McMillan comparison isn't fair is because while McMillan had a good eye, he always topped the ball. He could never get the ball out of the out of the infield. Always. I mean, how many times, Chris? Like, what was it? There was a series of games where we went to where it was like literally five or six foul balls were just top. And then the ground, little grounder to the to shorter, or a little grounder to the first. Yeah, I'm looking at McMillan had five home runs in his career, unfortunately. He, that was the thing. Like, he had a good eye. It looked like it might work. Uh, and then he just he could never drive the ball at all. And then his defense kind of uh, never developed either. It was That was why well, the 2017 draft is a bit rough. But, uh, no, but not – like. The, the guy that I'm reminded of is Kirk Sally, who was like an 11th rounder. Um, the year they drafted James McCann, I think. And so they took these both the, the couple catchers. And uh, Sally, I think, probably has more raw power. But um, just it's like sometimes you can grab a random catcher after the 10th round and have it work out because, I don't know, catching's tough and, and guys, some guys just kind of have a knack for it. And like that's the thing that, that I've enjoyed is that he also seems to be pretty good on defense that's gonna that's gonna keep you in the system for long enough to let you try to hit so i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens it's it's just uh it's only been like a month and a half of him performing fairly well so catching we know can take a lot out of guys too yeah Yeah, i was gonna say um, it's like uh, i thought we had like a pretty decent but not amazing uh defensive talent and joy morgan when he was here but that was a uh, one of my more bad takes but yeah it's like being a defense as a catcher especially like in a in a system where our catching depth isn't is pretty much as deep as a divot in the outfield um <laughs> yeah maybe it's like a defense defense first catcher can get you a long way and um if you can handle the bat well if like if josh crouch's offensive um, knowledge can translate through the levels. It's like I can, I can see it going somewhere. But then again, I just compared him to Sam McMillan, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, it. But it's good to see the Tigers get some luck on that later rounds from the catcher. Unlike, I mean, they 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 finally proved, hey, if we draft a catcher, 
later we'll be fine. We don't have to draft and waste our time guys early on like Sam McMillan. So uh, that's on the harsh, but I don't, really don't care because it's true. All right. All right, let's move on to Lakeland. And here's let me let me just say something about Lakeland real quick before we get started. First and foremost, there was a lot of snickers and, and there's not snickers, but a lot of uh, like, oh, okay, Roger, about Roberto Campos last week. When I remember what I said when I saw him, they looked more selective and it was taking counts deeper. And everybody's like, oh, okay, well, whatever you know. Well, I know apparently because he he had he went nine for 17 this week he had five walks and pacheco you know business is normal six for 18 six rbis and a home run and a walk and carlos mendoza which i know a lot of people, a lot of people are weird about because of his height and all that five for 17 a home run he three rbis he had this is the second week in a row he's homered and this is a guy i mean he had his average last week wasn't as good but still i like carlos mendoza and I really I, I like his abilities. And Chris, we'll get with you on the. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Yes, I do know. Quite frankly, damn it. I'm gonna. You know, no, look, look. I don't brag. You guys know me. I don't brag at all. But I mean, come on. I'm not, I mean, sometimes I love Mark Gurash, who listens to the show constantly. But it's like every once in a while, I know my stuff. Just admit it and move on. Preach, all right, so, preach, <laughs> preach on. All right, so preach on, Chris. Preach on, brother Chris, about the world of Jackson Job. Well, you know, Job, uh, yeah, Job had his longest professional outing, five innings, four hits, one and run, two walks, four strikeouts. Call he up. Get, he's not uh, setting the world call on up. fire. Oh, you get, yeah, uh, call uh, we got a good quick question about that. Yeah, call, call him up. Uh, Jeremy want to know what's Crouch compared to Dingler? Oh, well, I tried to answer it in, in the chat, but uh, basically Dingler, Dingler stands out most for his athleticism. He's just a, he's a plus athlete. Um, even for a catcher, and he's got a cannon of an arm. I think Crouch's arm is good, probably close to average-ish, maybe solid average. He needs um, better pop time. Honestly, when I when I see Crouch behind the plate, it's I feel like yeah, like you said. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Chris, but um, the a pop time is really, in my opinion, a pretty important stat for me for catchers. But yeah, it's like Dingler's athleticism is really taking him far, especially as far as pop time goes. It's like seeing his behind the plate to second time is like outstanding. We had some Josh Crouch can improve on that just slightly seeing him. He, I'm not going to say he looks a little lazy getting up, but I guess compared to him with Dingler, he looks just like it that much slower. But um, well, and it's, it's, yeah. I, I'll say that the Crouch is more traditionally catcher shaped. He seems like he's probably about five ten and two two fifteen or so. I don't know what he's listed at, but Dingler's like a legit six three two twenty five. looks like he could be a quarterback. Um, And yeah, he has the athleticism to, he, he doesn't, block everything and he's not sliding back and forth behind the plate like Cooper Johnson, but he's got the athleticism to move. He's, he's really, you can, you see him move. What I've noticed from Crouch in what I've watched is he's, he seems to be pretty quiet behind the plate, seems to be a good receiver and has good enough arm strength to, to handle the running game, at least on an average basis. So I think, you know, what you're hoping there is that he could be an average defender and maybe the, you got lucky with the bat and he can, you know, hit for a little bit of uh, average, maybe, give you a handful of home runs whereas Dingler Dingler has the the chance to be like a a plus defender at the major league level if everything comes together and then of course you're hoping to get anything from him on offense down the road and it may be that he ends up as like a not all that different than Jake Rogers actually although I think Jake Rogers would probably take a few more walks than Dingler yeah I mean um in, in my opinion I've always said this about catchers and um especially as far as like defensive defense at catcher goes and like you know how you have like your um defense and offensive pitchers like you know mm-hmm. you rely on breaking and other one you rely on your fastball it's like i'd like to think there's such a thing as um you can be a blocking catcher or you can be what i like to call a wall catcher or basically just give the pitcher something to throw at it's like yeah that's like you can you can tell like catchers behind the plate where you can like when there's a breaking ball in the dirt you can tell where like oh he's he's a vacuum he'll suck it up but like you see you see a catcher get down to block a breaking ball on a on a o2 count and you're like oh my god it's like it looks like a looks like a freaking minivan behind the plate right there just <laughs> just looks kind of clunky yeah yeah like de la, de la cruz looks like that too for Lakeland. i mean he's a big dude he's like that stocky build mm-hmm. we're talking about but uh no nevertheless we in terms of lakeland the yeah calm up 
on Jackson Job, uh, Wilco Hernandez. And Chris, I'm going to ask this question. At some point, I think by the end of the month, I, I think I feel like there's going to be a big wave of changes coming up before the draft. Uh, with again, everything getting set up a little bit, you think, or in terms of like call ups and all that, it does feel like you could you could very easily call up Wilkel Hernandez, Garrett Burhan, and Brent Herter, West Michigan. They all feel like they've earned it, you know. But I don't know if there are the arms to kind of backfill from that point. Um, just just looking at the FCL roster, like they are remarkably young and inexperienced. It's like it's kind of this is where ordinarily in the, in the olden days when they had it, they would draft. I mean, the draft would already be over right now. They would have signed uh, you know a bunch of random twenty fourth round college pitchers that are never make the majors except for random guys like Bobrisky and and possibly Garrett Hill. But those guys would be pitching in. Uh, you know, in in the New York Penn League back then. And then so you could bump up your guys from low A to high A and bump those guys up from the short season league to low A. So I don't know what they'll do after the draft this year. Generally speaking, you're not going to get a lot of guys who, who have innings to throw for the rest of the year. Like we saw it last year. Madden didn't throw after they signed him. Smith didn't throw after they signed him. I think the only guys we saw throw were the relievers, right? Like Haas and Pettit. Right. So... I don't know. I don't know if they're going to stick there all year long, but it does feel like, like yeah, Hernandez gave up a, his first run in almost 20 innings. I think he's, uh, it was like an 18 inning scoreless streak. Um, and he's got some talent. So it's like, yeah, this is a guy that, that was once a bit of a priority. So they would probably want to move him up. But then what do you do? Do you send Guzman down? Do you send Jordan Marks down? It's, you could, but how much do you value the, the development of those guys too? So and it'll be interesting to, to watch. Maybe. Maybe we'll just see some some guys get released, some veterans get released in July, and uh, then they start backfilling that way. But I don't know. I, I could see that happening. I mean, I, I think that I look at I look at the way they've been moving. Like, uh, for example, Jerry Toby, Jerry Toby got moved sent down. They're not afraid to send guys down. I mean, Daniel Kamir is a prime example of that. So if they, I, you might be right, Chris, just lack of bodies. Just at the at the at least at the you know rookie level, we'll see. Right. Maybe they can find enough uh, starters in like the tenth to twentieth round this year, and then put them down there and get some innings. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, these things generally tend to work out, though, right? Like somebody, unfortunately, somebody will probably get hurt in West Michigan, and then somebody will come up from Lakeland. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, and that could be like that could be Michael Hernandez's opportunity to maybe make the next step, but like my opinion is, and sorry if this may not be the greatest take in the world, but um, I've always thought like, especially if you're, if, especially if you're a pitcher in low A and like um, low A, high A, it's like in the organization really has to handle the, handle them with kid gloves because like you look at, you look at kids that like um, a prime example, Casey Mize, unfortunately that we just learned recently, it's like, younger pitchers are so much more volatile for injuries as they were back then. It's like, you see Tommy John's surgery rate is like so much higher than it was even 10 years ago. It's like, and as soon as a pitcher gets drafted, it's like, like you guys mentioned that um, time end didn't throw job didn't throw. It's like, uh, you really have to handle McKay gloves because like, as soon as your first year in pro ball, you're automatically on like a dozen throwing programs. It's like the coaches are picking you apart saying like, here's something we think you could do with your mechanics. And like you're you're releasing your curveball one inch further than you should be than you were in high school or college, and it's like, yeah, that's what that's why I always think roster moves in low A. You really have to, it's like for pitching, you have to consider them before you do them, in my opinion. But it, I think Michael Hernandez is the best has the best opportunity for a move up, in my opinion. Speaking of young arms, by the way, Walker Bueller. As a forearm, right forearm, so he's gonna be out for five to seven weeks. So no one, and he's I mean, a dude who had Tommy John surgery right after he was drafted. So it's been like yeah, only, even like five years. Uh, and Wilk L just coming off the Tommy John surgery, so it's like yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. And you could make the argument really that that even there's plenty to develop in a pitcher without you know that's kind of dependent or or independent of competition level. So so you can you can. Like you're talking, they, they they monitor every pitch, everything. You 
probably be like, hey, we want you to do this more. We want you to throw this more. We want to see you get two more inches of break on your slider. If you can do all that and, and be a better pitcher and just deal with the fact that you're facing a bunch of 19-year-old kids, like it, it doesn't necessarily preclude you from getting better. It's just going to m- make your mistakes uh, you know, less damaging to you. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it just sounds like it, it, if you believe, to me, it's just always like with pitcher injuries, it's just like this. If you think about it, okay, think about it for a moment. They're drafting them. They're learning a new pitch, right? Mm-hmm. They got grip. And they're starting throwing. They're starting really well. Then there's a start. They start losing velocity. And then you go, oh, well, that's just that seems weird. That's crazy. Then there's a start to get blown up by. And then you go, oh, that was weird. And then, you know, there are a couple good starts and everything going well. It's not bad. Then you see this happen earlier today or earlier this year. They start kind of going, oh, I don't feel right. The pitcher, pitching coach comes out to the mound. Manager comes out to the mound. They walk off together. They leave the start. And that's what happens. Yep. It's just like Jaws. You never know what's going to come. Getcha! So, right, they pull the barrels does. down under the water. The random face comes out of a boat at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the, some, in the uh, Oscar, ooh, I was going to say, go the ahead. Oscar goes to. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was beautiful. I think it was uh, impromptu. I was just thinking about because I, I think it's like you can use a walking, you know, time bomb and all that stuff. But every time I think of like a, a dire situation, I think of Jaws like that music just going off, dun, 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 and that's how it is. Um, <laughs> 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 little buddy with the the of the night. <laughs> oh, oh, you uh, little buddy on YouTube. Thank you. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> Mario Van Peoples in Jaws 3 is going to come out of the water and barely be alive. So We're going to need a stronger UCL ligament. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, it's it, it, for the record, I think the Tigers did much that they could for or um, for buys, and they looked at all the options, and I know it looks kind of a little silly on their part, but medicine, that kind of stuff, like if you, if you look at the ligament, it's not it was just the way that AJ Hinge explained it. It's just it's not it working. Wasn't torn. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't torn. torn. It wasn't. It, it was just its uh, floppy. It was like a like a blown yeah. out rubber band, basically. Like, yeah. oh, this isn't working anymore. So, yeah. So they yeah. explained yeah, by. Oh, go ahead. Or, um, this is. Uh, I don't know if you guys will remember this, but um, it, circa, that we're we're going back to circa 2016 here. But my. My example of um, how unfortunate these stories are is I don't know if you guys remember Riley Pint. Yes, this is like the this is this is the story that you always hate hearing. It's like you you see guys that like have so much prowess, and this is what I touched on before. It's like it's uh, especially rehab from Tommy John surgery is what like 15, 18 months. It's like you see guys like that uh, like this happen to him, and like he had he had so much like. He was drafted before he was drafted in the top five, wasn't he? I think when he, he went to the Rockies. Overall, fourth, yeah. yeah. It's like fourth overall. He was he had, he had so much potential. And it's like it's just unfortunate you see these ha- things happen to these young guys now. It's like he went he went down. I was it I think he had Tommy John, didn't he? If memory serves, yeah. yeah. It was so long ago. Yeah. He had some He had injuries injury. and also severe control problems. Yeah, that but yeah, but when you throw when you're throwing hundred and one in high school, then that's gonna yeah. happen, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's you, you, you have you have a billion different stories. That's just the one that stands out for me. But it's just unfortunate. Yeah, there's some inside the baseball knowledge there too. Where he just talked about how Special Trouble's elbow can turn the other way. Like I can't even explain to you. Like how he gets could... yeah, like that's how he gets that spit on his pitch. Interesting. So he can pronate. Yes. And supinate. Yes. Thank you for using terms that I've never heard before, but yes, that's that's how he. Let's just talk about that. It was a little inside the baseball stuff uh, in the dugout the other night. So that's the he stuff has, that I I like hearing. He has the good external rotation. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's how he's getting that spin, and it was the same thing. Kind of like it was a it was a, it was a little tear that just kind of on on his injury. But anyway, uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I know we're going off the rails a little bit, but didn't Mize already have Tommy John? Or am I thinking of somebody else? No. He never had Tommy John. There were a lot of more minor kind of, you know, get some shots and and hopefully this will heal up sort of shoulder and elbow injuries. I remember that happened before we drafted him. It's like that was, that lowered his stock a little bit. But anyways, I'm sorry. Yeah. I I just got sidetracked. But yeah. Uh, No, no problem. And as for as far as the FB, the Florida uh, Complex League Tiger action goes, a couple Oof. things uh, in terms of the uh, bless you. No, no, I didn't see. So I just, just oh yeah, they went over. Oh, <laughs> I'll do your seats there for a second. So Franklin Perez in a rehab start, uh, two and one thirds innings, Into two runs, Hall of Fame. Yeah, four, uh, four walks, three strikeouts. So he's on the comeback trail. I you know I. I I don't. I don't. If, he, the, if he, he's on the mound, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as far as the hitting goes, I mean, a couple of guys stand out. Clayton Campbell, who the Tigers signed out of New Zealand, is this eighteen-year-old kid who just looks like a looks like the Terminator, just built like just ripped kid who played catcher and I think he played third base. Went three for eleven this week. Uh, Asanzo Reyes three for three in Game Four. Jeannie McLaughlin, who the Tigers drafted last year, I think in the nineteenth round. Like that, twentieth, yeah, yeah, two for four in game five with three RBIs. Uh, Iverson, Leonardo, two for four in game one, and Abel Bastetis went two for three in game two. And Chris, I don't know if there's anything anybody missing or anybody else should I highlight in uh, some FSL or FCL action. I mean, it's tough. You know, it's the first week, so you know somebody goes five for fifty-eight or whatever, and looks like a, a world beater. It's you know, it's nice to see. Call him up. Um, what's that? That's a call him up. Yeah, it's nice to see Bastidas doing a little bit of damage. He had a home run. Um, you know, he was one of their two big signings last year. Other than that, like, you know, you just kind of play it. Like, just, just keep an eye on guys. Uh, one thing I always do is, like, all right, how old is this guy? What's he doing? Is he getting dizzy walking? Like, cause he, I was like, last year it was Dan, Dan Warrick, De La Cruz, who kind of put himself on the map by walking and hitting for power. I think he led the FCL and OPS last year. And it's a guy that I hadn't really paid any attention to. So yeah, I just let it, let it play out. I don't care about the wins and losses down there. Cause every now and then an FCL game, and you see it in the DSL as well. Like they'll just be like 15 to 11, but the teams have five combined hits somehow. Like it's just like, Oh yeah, there were 13 walks and eight wild pitches. And the, the skunk got on the field. <laughs> and the band got on the field. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right, Chris. It's like it, it's just it's just tough to see the line. It's like you you're right. It's like the FCLs for like the younger guys to start getting work in. But it's like it's even looking at even look, looking at the box scores and the spreads from the games from the past week. It's like um, they're they're all the hitters in their lineup were pretty aggressive. That's that's the one thing I noticed. It's like not a lot of walks. It's like Clayton Campbell. It's like you appreciate you appreciate some of the pop that he showed. I, it was respectable. Uh, Dean Sarias had that good game, but like, yeah, it's, I, I know this is also um, equating to that. Um, once you start out a season, it's going to take you a minute to get your eye in place, especially after not playing baseball for X amount of days. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just rough to see stretches like this. It's like I think it was like game four, game three or four from last week when we took that like insanely horrible loss to the Yankees. It's like I, I can't remember was it the Yankees or the Blue Jays. It's like it was just some outrageous, like thirteen to, like fifteen to two loss. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the bullpen got lit up. Start starter got lit up. Is it, it was a rough one to look at? Actually, no, it was the Phillies. Yeah, it was the Phillies. And yeah, but yeah, like I said, it could also be that you're not playing baseball for a while. This is your first time on a, this is your first time on a field with game action. It's like I know they're always in the backfields doing drills of every kind, but. Like, you know, yeah, that just has to translate to the field. Yeah, no, it's 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 always – I always like to say, you know, good stats are better than bad stats, but uh, they don't really tell us, especially at the, the complex level, they really don't tell us much of anything. I mean, like, it, it depends. Like, Riley Green, what, he hit went four for four with two home runs in his first uh, complex league game. I was like, all right, okay. But so did Brock Dethridge, right? Yeah. yeah monster game, too. Yeah. And I remember Austin Schatz. Yeah, I thought Austin Schatz was the next Mike Trout. What? Do you remember, really? Do you remember Austin Schatz? Yeah, I do remember Austin Schatz. I didn't. I never that part. He tore. I, he tore up I do not. the FBL or what back then it was the GCL. 
what do you get? Three, yeah, 310, 360 on base, 449 slugging as an 18 year old, 11 doubles, a triple, three homers, 16 steals. It's like, man, look at this kid. And then he never did anything ever again because it's rookie dead, ball. And- dead. This is the garbage you get me. Sorry. I had, uh, it's go. been a while. It's been a while since I played a Mike or a Russo drop, but uh, no, it's yeah. I, yeah, it's so early on right now, and I'm interested to seeing who can jump earliest to Lakeland. That's to me is more intriguing. If they can find somebody that's already going to be, you know, well, can. I mean, we didn't mention. I don't think we mentioned. Did you mention Campos when we talked about Lakeland? Yeah, how good he's been playing. Yes, yeah, he had a monster week, and and it's like you know, last year. We were, we were watching Campos because nobody had really seen him yet, and it's where I kind of popped up uh, with the monster home run totals and stuff like that. This year, I'm not expecting anything big like that. Like it would be Bastidas would be the guy that that might show up. I don't know. And then mostly I'm just watching like Javier Osorio down in the DSL just to see if he puts up decent numbers. So come on, Rainer Castillo, pop up out of nowhere. But. Come on, Rainer Castillo, please do something. Yeah, I mean he he. He pitched the first game, right? So I, he's like he's like the ace of the SEL staff. It was a four innings, I think, and it wasn't a bad start. He's still he, – is he even 18 yet? He might still be 17. Yeah, he's still 17. And look, bottom line is I think you don't get your name on the jersey until you get to West Michigan. But if the day that he gets to West Michigan and he's actually a, a pitcher or a starter or a dude, you better, be, you better believe I'm going to get a Castillo-West Michigan jersey. But it's just – it's – it's gonna happen. Okay. Yeah. So, like so okay. the, I'm sorry. If there's, I, I just want to touch on one thing with um. Sure. Campos, real quick. It's um. I was watching some of the watching some. I was looking at some of the spreads he had in uh, Lakeland last week, and what one thing I like aside from the five walks, it's even the at bats that he was like getting on base through a hit in. Is like he was stretching him out a lot more. It's like that's the. One thing I put in my scouting form, it's like he was being a lot more selective at the plate. It's like you, you noticed him rolling in the air. It's like Chris, you brought it up. Like uh, this was a few shows ago where you're like, like everything he hits, it's on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's like he's just not not really doing anything with it. But yeah, it's like it's ni- nice to see him making the adjustment. It's like being being more selective, he's stretching that bats out, and it's really paying off for him. And that's what I like to see. Yeah, and it's in- indicative of. Uh... You know, you never know with with walks, especially in the low minors, if, if guys are actually displaying more patience, or if it's just they they ran into a really bad pitching staff. But yeah, I mean, it you know, it's it's good that he's not swinging and missing a ton, and it's good that he's not swinging at everything. And maybe you know, that's that's the beginning of it. You can get a little better idea of which pitches are going to be in the zone and which aren't, and then from there you can improve your discipline a little bit more to see which ones can I really drive in the air and which ones can I not. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, you have to be pretty pleased with I – mean, he's not tearing the world up, uh, up but he's, he's doing pretty well. And, and I think probably other than the, the lack of lofty home run totals, which may come in time, um, I think probably meeting expectations so far, if not exceeding them, which is nice to see. But. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, especially in the lower lower minor league levels, in my opinion, it's like, like you're – when you're a newly drafted, um, when you're a newly drafted hitter going into low A ball, it's like you start to do the um, like pitch identification drills and like uh, really, really trying to come in your own when it comes to like knowing the strike zone in minor league baseball. And yeah, it's like especially you also get those young pitchers that are like the wild horse type guys that um, they they don't know they're still trying to work on like velocity control and like trying to get on top of your curveball or slider. And like you know, you get guys that are like it's just going all over the place. But yeah, there's opportunity for everybody. Yeah, yeah and Camp, like I said, Campos was one of the better bats I saw down in Lakeland, and I thought his approach at the plate got better, and he showed more plate discipline. But again, people were like, "Oh, whatever." I'm like, "He's 18 years old. He's 18 years old." Yeah, and whatever. I mean, what I know, I don't actually go to the games or anything, or you know, uh, work and take vacations in the middle of the year. But uh, anyway. At any rate, um, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to the Sacramento League recap for week 10 or 11, whatever proper week I'll put behind it. And there'll be a or the weekly Monday article, be Monday, excuse me, Tuesday article, Monday, I might be able to put out tomorrow, where we go into depth into some of the um, other other players well in the system. 
And I talked to Gavin today. It was going to be a new writer. He's going to be writing up some profiles, and he said it's going to get started this week. So looking forward to see what Gavin can do on that side of things. And, uh, yeah, there will be some stuff coming out. Some Hopefully we'll have some college player profiles coming out here shortly. And, Jeremy, thank you for supporting us as always. I really appreciate you always chiming in on YouTube. Really makes my night, and I love your enthusiasm for the game. And it's, uh, man, anytime you come on, man, it's really nice to have you on. And it was finally good. I finally met him, too. Uh, I finally met Jeremy. Yeah, I met him last month. It was uh, it was really cool. So, nevertheless, uh, David, any last thoughts before you want to get out of here? Um, uh, hopefully, Erie has a better week next week. Uh, I got I got faith in that. I got faith in that team. Uh, yeah, I hope the Tigers do better as well. And go go Tigers and all their minor league affiliates. Chris, what about you? Before we get out of here, anything? I got nothing. I have no thoughts. I got nothing there. I. Baseball destroys me from the inside. But well, we love it. Well, yeah. We love it. Oh, we do. And today was an example of that today. Baseball was yeah. Anyway, at this at this point, we do need hitters. Yes. Yes, we do need hitters across the way. Hopefully they come sooner or later, but if not, right now it's gonna still be a long season. So three game series starts with the White Sox tomorrow, and I'll be out there Tuesday and Wednesday. Everybody, have a good week. Call that the Dick Clark wave.